Hello, everyone, and inside today's Lockdown Canadians, we're going to discuss Sean Monahan's awful toast, Carey Price on LTIR, and potential Kirby Doc contracts all inside the Friday Mailbag. Lockdown Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 680 of Locked On Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, and Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. As always, I am joined once again by the active stick, Laura Sabah, for what is a very special Friday mailbag. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see we have a guest here with us. If you are not, why are you not subscribed to our YouTube channel? You're going to want to subscribe to that before 7 30 p.m. on Friday. It is the Lockdown Canadians Hot Ones Challenge, a.k.a. I am eating hot wings because I am a fool. But before we get into that, Laura, welcome back. It is nice to see you as always. How are we doing going into Friday this week? I'm excited about our guest, and I have to say our guest is a dream guest. Not only last time we had him on, he went and got a haircut for us. This time, he not (laughs) only asked for mailbag questions, he even compiled them for me to make it easy. (laughs) Whereas uh, I have not gotten a haircut, I am running late because I'm doing laundry and the dishes in the other room. We are joined by the one you know as at Habs Laughs on Twitter, Mike O'Brand. Thank you for joining us so much for what should be a fantastic uh, Friday mailbag here at Lockdown Canadians. Thank you for having me. Nothing short of fantastic. I will not accept anything less. <laughs> it's uh, it's September. Oh God, Jesus. It's September. That means it's not <laughs> August anymore. And that means we're uh, getting close, fellas. We're getting close, folks. Oh man. I, I, could, get, I keep forgetting the rookie. Let's get there. The rookie showcase is in two weeks in my city. I'm like, nah, I got time. It's still August. It's fine. It's fine. No, it's not. Um, and before I spiral any further in having an existential crisis on this podcast, uh, if you ever want to send us mailbag questions, you can tweet us at LO underscore Canadian. Send them to lockdowncanadians at gmail.com. Uh, questions in the YouTube comments are always appreciated too. Uh, just don't be a jerk to anybody. That includes us. That includes other listeners, people in the comments. I know it's the internet, but try your best, please. Uh, Laura, uh, you have the questions compiled by Mike, who is making me rapidly obsolete on my own podcast. (laughs) Um, let's dive right in with what we've got here. So we're going to start with the mailbag questions that came in on email. And I'm going to start with John's question. What's the deal with Lucas Vedamo? Seemed like he was on the rise in the organization, but he's currently unsigned. Will the Habs re-sign him? I, I don't think so at this point. Like, I haven't heard anything. And, like, obviously they just signed Brett Stapley, and it's getting crowded in the AHL and the ECHL and the NHL. And for Vedamo, who missed a lot of last season with an injury, it, it it's tough. I would like to see him back, but I I don't know if Mike differs from me on this one, but I, I don't see a spot for him right now with all the bodies they've brought in over the last couple months here. Yeah, I don't I just think his time has come and gone. It really didn't like barely like a like a very small cup of coffee in the NA in the NHL, garbage NHL goal. Um, you know, when he was drafted, uh, like people were asking Trevor Timmons about it, and he kind of did that little smirk. It's like, well. If you know what we knew, uh, he would have got a lot higher, and uh, you know, that's how we were we were able to get him. Literally, a quote from you know Trevor Timmons, and got got us all excited, crazy, you know, defensive forward with some offensive upside and grit, 
um, just didn't come together. You know, he's put the work in in the AHL. He definitely, you know, went through that path. He just couldn't take that next step to the, to get to the top of the AHL lineup and then into the NHL. I, I would be surprised if he was anywhere but Europe um, next next season. So our next question comes from Taylor. What is your guys' most substantial what-if slash butterfly effect in the last 10 years for the current Habs team? For example, if the Habs did somehow trade for Edmonton's fourth overall pick and acquired Pierre-Duc Dubois, PLD, would they have traded for Suzuki? Would they have even been in a position to draft Caulfield? How would Bergevin's roster construction approach have been different, etc.? So... I'm just going to go ahead real quick and say my favorite one is the uh, obviously PK Subban trade because that was followed by the Pacioretty trade and that was like a wholesale course switch around. Um, so that's my favorite what if because I think that it would have gone very differently. I don't think that the Canadians were like guaranteed to have a cup or anything like that, but I thought we would have seen a few more contending years if that hadn't happened. I think for me, the biggest one here is what if Alexi Emelin didn't, you know, shove Chris Kreider skates first into Carey Price in 2014? Because we saw Carey Price at his best, like he was playing, you know, last year in the playoffs. Would they have beaten the Kings? We don't know. But it's also Carey Price locked in, playing the best hockey of his career. And his teammate, you know, basically probably cut his career short at this point now, based on all the injuries uh, since that time frame. And the other one is, you know, what if they had fired Michel Therrien earlier? Where would we be with this team now? Would we have more development? Would we have this and that? But that's more, I don't know who they would have brought in. But if they had gotten rid of Therrien earlier, would they have promoted Sylvain Lefebvre when made everything infinitely worse? Or who knows? It could have gotten better. It could have gotten way worse. But that's why it's a what if. You took mine. Um, the, <laughs> the, first, the first thing that really came to my mind was also a PKO on Laura. Um you know, what if the PK trade was for Taylor Hall and not for Shea Weber? I think that was a big rumor that was at the time that was like going around at the time. I don't know if there was any real truth to that, but like, what if that was the trade? Um, that would have been like insane if we were, you know, he, Hall still might be, ah, what do you want a heart trophy? You know, how would he have meshed with the team? That kind of thing. Um, another one would be, what if, you know, Sylvain Lefebvre never ran the AHL team? And what if it was a competent coach for, six years as opposed to wasting traffic after traffic after traffic, <laughs> uh, you know, would the Habs be anywhere? Um, maybe Lucas Vedemo would be, uh, would be, would be an NHL player. Um, that, yeah, those would be my, those would be my two. And then our final question for this segment is kind of a weird one. It's from our friend, Paul F who does write in a lot. He's the one who asked us for a discord still working on that, by the way. Um, and it's, it's the, there's a picture of like Madonna and like a prayer. And then there's like a UP. It's like a whole Photoshop. It's on our Twitter. I'm going to, I'm going to repost it in the morning. Uh, dear UP God, please ask Laura and Scott what the plot would look like if there was a mutation of the twilight, 50 shades of gray after lineage in which Slavkovsky is a hot, dark, vaguely aristocratic male lead. So I feel like this is like an invitation for us to write fan fiction, but I do think that. Yuri Slavkovsky has some of the best cheekbones in hockey, right? He's got that look. He's got that chisel look. So he would absolutely be like a broody male lead. And I'm thinking, and I like, I really don't want to go in the vampire direction because there's been way too much of that lately. But I want <laughs> there to be like a supernatural aspect to this. I could kind of see him in like a Guy Ritchie movie as like, 
a villain of some kind where you could tweed <laughs> something along those lines. I I don't know how to process this, but all I know is that when I showed Carly, I showed her the behind the scenes draft video. So when she saw Slavkovsky walking across the stage with Gary Bettman, she went, he's got to be what, like 22, 23? I'm like, he just turned 18. Like he was not able to like buy alcohol and cigarettes like three weeks ago. He just got his braces off. Like in the combine, in the combine, he at the combine, he has braces at the draft. He does not have braces. It's amazing. If you haven't seen it, there's a video on his uh, Liga team's TikTok page, which is a very weird sentence, of him in full braces just assaulting a 30-year-old man in a fight. And all I can think is I'm not a pro-fighting person, but for everyone who might be worried about him being taken advantage of, he's a gigantic human being. He's probably he's arguably, besides probably Joel Edmondson, one of the biggest Canadians on the roster this year. Like, I don't think we got to worry about that. Uh, we have so much more coming up in our mailbag. We're going to talk Carey Price on LTI. We're going to talk about the r- rumored Kirby Doc contrast, Sean Monahan's toast, everything else. And that's all coming up next. But first, as I said, off the top of the show, today's show is brought to you by betonline.net. And they are your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Get all the latest developments across any league, game matchups, news, podcasts, including everything going into the opening week of the season. They have all your wagering info, live betting, esports scores, everything you could possibly want. And they also have baseball, MMA, boxing, hockey's right around the corner if you want to bet on that, futures and whatnot. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online, where the game starts. We are back. We are Locked On Canadians. If you want to send us questions at LO underscore Canadians, Canadians at gmail.com. Please tune in. Friday, when you were listening to this, 7.30 p.m. on our YouTube channel, we will be live streaming myself doing the Hot Ones Challenge, and we will be taking all of your questions, hanging out, having a good time, mostly. Uh, Laura, we have so much else in the mailbag today. we got a ton of questions on Twitter. What else do we have in store for us and our guest, Mike O'Brien, today? So this one is kind of topical because there's a there's talk about, you know, a rumored Kirby Doc contract, and this comes from our beautiful English boy, uh, Jay Foster. And the question is, does Kirby Doc's face-off percentage worry you? Mike? No. Not in the slightest. Um, <laughs> one, it's coachable. Um, and two, I, you know, face-offs don't really matter that much. <laughs> like, if you, um, like, to me anyway, you know, obviously there are extremes, and I think that Doc statistically was the worst face-off person in, in the league last year. So, you know, that's an outlier and that's something that obviously the Habs took into account when they traded for him, but it's very, very coachable. So that's a plus, you know, you can get better at face-offs. It's not like, you know, you're born, I mean, an amazing face-off guy. Um, you know, you're certainly born with instincts. You're certainly born with, you know, anticipation and all that stuff, but it's, it's, it's coachable. You can get better and closer to the mean. Um, you know, obviously face-offs in key situations, you know, you want to win a, a power play face-off. You want to win a penalty kill face-off. You want to win a face-off in the offensive zone with, with the minutes go in the game. You know, there are specialists for that. Uh, I don't think they brought in Doc to bring in to, you know, to do that. Um, as long as they can get him up to like that 48 to 50% range, you know, not, not an issue. My whole thing with face-offs is that, like you said, possession can change so quickly. You can win a puck straight back to the point. And the shot can go 10 feet wide and it's going the other way anyways. And it, it, what's the point of that? 
I got crap from a radio host saying that faceoffs don't matter that much, and I don't think they do. And it's like, oh well, Jake Evans, you know, is better than Kotkaniemi at faceoffs, and he took you know three hundred less faceoffs, and he was. It's situationally, yes, in the broad spectrum of things. If faceoffs were a reason why the Canadians were going to trade for Kirby Doc, I'd be worried about their you know analysis of the player as a whole. Uh, it, it's not a thing I'm ever going to get worked up about. I I don't think I care. I I do not care. If the puck ends up in the net off a rush, cool. They might have lost the faceoff before. I don't really care, and I'm not. I, I I'm just ignoring any discourse around faceoff percentages that always seem to happen when the team is losing. Oh, they're winning faceoffs and winning the game. I no, I'm not doing it. I'm not. I am removing myself from this discourse this season. Okay, so I'll just say one thing before you remove yourself. Uh, you're stuck for another, <laughs> you know, like 10 seconds. Um, I think the, the thing with face-offs and the discourse is it's very much like Mike pointed out. It's situational, right? So it's, it's very much like when you're, you have a very offensive-minded defenseman who makes one mistake, the puck ends up in the net, and then everybody's like, this guy's bad at defense, right? It's exactly like that. Every moment where they lose a face-off and it's a significant thing, that's when it becomes a discussion. But in the course of a game over 60 minutes, it doesn't really matter. It's exactly like Mike said. You can throw in your specialist, right? Put two centers on there. If somebody on the wing is better than Kirby Doc at taking face-offs, put him in there. You know, I don't think it's that big a deal. It's just that sometimes a moment that ends up costing a game will start from a face-off loss. And I think that's what people kind of are worried about. And that's why it's a big discussion. But I don't think it – I think as long as you can kind of have average, if you're average at face-offs, I think it's fine. So we've got um, an interesting question from our friend Victor Maxwell. I heard you mention Inception on a past episode. Inception, you must build a team to break into Kent Hughes' mind. John Wick, Mad Max, Morpheus, Salt, all heroes are up for grabs. Kent Mind is a high surveillance surveillance system guarded by wizards, Autobots, and Decepticons. The goal is to find the list of Kent Hughes' 2023 draft selections. High risk, high reward. Superheroes are included. You can use Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot. They can all be included. And at the same time, you must plant an idea that the Boston Bruins are our best trade partners. If the Habs receive the first overall in 2023, Kent must be open to trade only with the Bruins. Good luck. (laughs) So I went through all of this, and then I immediately went Captain Marvel because... He's asking for so many things, and she has all of the powers. <laughs> That's the uh, only one I could think of. Are we setting a limit on how many people we can have on a team? Like, otherwise, it's just like you take as many people. Like, I oh man, I wish I had a looked lot. at this. That was a I was, lot. <laughs> I wish I had looked okay. deeper at this question because it would have given me something to do at work instead of playing on my phone for a half an hour. <laughs> like, oh man. Oh. Well, like, okay, let's build a heist movie into superheroes or the actors that played the superheroes because they kind of went kind of went in both directions there. I would anyway. say Henry Cavill was in there, but I know Henry, Henry Cavill is Geralt, like not Superman, right? right. <laughs> um, oh man, I mean, you gotta like you had to take like Captain America, right? Because you need a strong leader to kind of put everything together in that, and like it's Captain America played by, and I'm just assuming we're going with Chris Evans is playing Captain America, but it's Captain America like. Oh, I, I, if it, if probably it was like, go, a, I'm probably just going to pick one person and I'm just going to pick Batman. That's going to yeah. probably be it for me. If he could probably pull that off. I think <laughs> we should open that up to the listeners also. So if you are building a heist movie to get into Kent Hughes's mind, 
what, which, I guess, which characters slash actors would you choose? We've got another question from Jeffrey. What do you think will be Cole Caulfield's next contract? Let's pretend he puts up 30 goals and 30 assists this year. I'm thinking if they go long-term, 68 years, they would want to go around 6.5 to 7 million at most. My first thought is take that Tage Thompson contract and add an extra year. If Caulfield puts up 30 and 30 this year, they're going to lock him up to the max term that they can. Um, because that was something that came up was if if they were to offer Cole Caulfield right now, before the season started, that same Tage Thompson contract, would we be okay with that? I think so. I think he's done enough. I think, um, he, like, I think it's too much for Tage Thompson, right? Oh, God, yes. It's way too much for Tage Thompson. <laughs> they probably saw, I mean, you don't – I mean – if Tage Thompson does that again, it's obviously worth it. You just kind of, they have a, they had a full year, you know, and he, I don't think he was unrestricted after this year. They had a full year to kind of go through that, but then you obviously risk offer sheets. It's the same, it's the same, you know, dilemma as Caulfield, right? Do you lock him up now? Do you kind of sign him for what you hope he's going to do? You know, he's shown that he can score and produce on a terrible team with no offense and that with a horrible losing record. Um, you know, there were, I, I think that <laughs> you hope that he can do this again uh, with more of a winning structure and culture in place with the proper coaching and the right system and schematics and teammates, et cetera. Uh, I, I, no doubt in my mind, it's going to be an eight year deal. It just happens to be, you know, between in that seven to nine range. Wouldn't surprise me. I don't think they're going to pay him more than Suzuki. That just doesn't make sense to me. So I would probably say like low sevens. That would be my guess, like eight years times seven to 7.5. All right. Are we all in agreement? <laughs> yes. We're all in agreement eight years and at least six and a half to seven and a half million dollars. If it were to come in under seven, I think every Habs fan is laughing like straight to the bank in that, at that point in time, but we got to see how it goes. I expect by the time the show gets posted, I expect by the way we've extended Cole Caulfield because <laughs> Kent Hughes loves to ruin podcasts. So <laughs> Yeah, they um, do. This team does love to do that. Do we have time for one more question, or are we going to wait one more the next before segment? the last segment? All right, this one is actually pretty straightforward. It's from Patrick L on YouTube. Do you think the fans will be okay if we say trade Hoffman as an example for a low return, say a late round pick or futures? Not only fans, what would the social media be like and media as a whole? So let's say you trade Hoffman, and it's a very low return. Are fans still going to be happy with that? Yes, because you're going to get Jesse Alonen, Uri Slavkovsky, or a Raphael Harvey Pinard more NHL ice time at that point, which is what you want in a season where the team is not likely to be very good. I don't expect anything in a return. Max Pacioretty got traded for literally nothing. So, like, I don't anticipate getting anything. If they get a fourth-round pick or a third-round pick out of it, I go, cool, and cap space. If, if, if the Habs are able to trade Mike Hoffman without adding a draft pick, it's a win. Also, we are not unfairly slandering Mike Hoffman. It's just that that contract right now is not very good. It's, and right. it's, just not for the, it's just not for the way the Habs are right now. They are not in a position to leverage it, but they weren't in a position to leverage Shea Weber either and still ended up with a useful piece out of that. So if anything, it's going to be something like a Petrie, like something like a Weber trade where you're getting like a an asset back, back that makes more sense for what you know the structure of the team is right now. Yes. Yeah, and uh, there was actually an answer to that comment, to that question saying, as long as we don't give anything up, Habs, Habs fans will be happy. 
Yes. Uh, we have so many more questions in our Friday mailbag, and those are all coming up next. But first, are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that could happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. So remember, if you drive high, you will get a DUI. We are back. It is our final segment of this very special Friday Lockdown Canadians Mailbags with Mike O'Brand, otherwise known as Habs Laugh. If you want to send us questions at LO underscore Canadians, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Laura, what do we have left in our mailbag today? We have a YouTube question from a new listener <laughs> who's on mute. Sorry for that. Um, and it's Adam Yu. So hi, Adam. Which of the following players will be regulars in 2024-2025? So I followed up with, is this for the Habs or anywhere in the NHL? So either one. Um, the players are Gooley, Harris, uh, Jackai, Mayu, ba- Baron, and Norlander. And this is not next year, but the year after. Sorry, um, no, 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 that's not it. We're 22, 23, it's a, it's a and then two full, yeah, seasons, so yeah. two full yeah. seasons after this. Yeah. Who will be in the NHL? Oh, uh, maybe one more time. <laughs> Gooley, <laughs> Harris, Jackeye, Mayu, Baron, and Norlinder. Okay, I think that if I'm going to jump in, jump in here just before I forget them, uh, I think if Gooley, Harris, and uh, Baron are not top four defensemen in 24-25, there's a serious problem with the Canadians' development. Um, those of, of that list, those three must hit, and they must be prominent figures on Montreal's blue line by then. That was what I had, too, is Caden Gooley, I, and Justin Barron, I think, could be a regular NHL defenseman this year. I don't mind if they give him some AHL time just to kind of season his game a little bit as he's coming off that ankle injury. Same with Caden Gooley, and even same with Jordan Harris. Any of them will spend time in the AHL at some point this year, potentially. I expect all of them by the end of the year will be NHL regulars. Uh, Jackeye is the interesting one because he could either become a really nasty third-pairing defenseman that's real hard to play against with a little offensive upside, or he could become Jared Tenorti, which <laughs> worries me a little bit. Uh, the, the staff in Laval is going to have a very uh, interesting time keeping him focused on doing the good things on the ice and not the (laughs) felony things on the ice. Uh, That would be great. As for Logan Mayu, we don't even know if he's getting a contract at this point. There is a long road of development there. The raw tools are there. Everything else is not where it needs to be. Uh, As it stands right now, I don't see it, but he has a full year ahead of him and I will reassess as he plays on that. I haven't seen enough of him playing yet to even come close to making a call on that. And the final one is Norlinder. And I feel like a lot of Habs fans are kind of just down on him now. And I really think that last year was not the make or break year. Last year, there was a lot of instability and inconsistency for everybody. I think the Canadians, it's like you said, the development system of the Habs, like it's really going to show what it's worth when you take a player that's gone off the rails and bring him back on track. So if they're able to improve his game or at least make him a promising, even a trade piece for a team that will use him in the NHL, to me, that's a positive. 
I think he could be a Chris Weidman type player either this year or by next year. And that's not a slight at him. Chris Weidman was a regular top six player this year. He's got a complimentary skill set to that. It's can he grow in terms of reading the ice and playing in space? And I think he has the brain to do that. And we've heard good things from back in Europe. Um, so I think that he's the one who has the highest way to go up there. He has so much room to hit his ceiling still that he could be. Whereas Gooley, Harris, and Barron are, I don't want to say low ceiling players, but Norlinder could be a truly prominent offensive defenseman once he gets that confidence and gets going a little bit. And now we're moving on to the Twitter questions, which always kind of come off the rails a little bit, but I think this time it was the YouTube questions that did that. Um, Matt Drake asks, rate the the toast the Habs served Monaghan? Zero. Friggin' Mm. zero. How do you burn one? What what is wrong with the toaster at the Bell Center? I, I know it's weird to be aggrieved by toast, but I am aggrieved by this toast in that <laughs> it's it's white bread and then it is just charred. Yeah, like, Scott, they... Scott's, uh, Scott's coming in hotter than that toast, apparently. Right? <laughs> than that, than that I, toaster on this. <laughs> I, I don't get it. How did you burn? Like, oh, not both sides either. One side of the toast is burnt to a crisp and the rest of it is like pure white bread. I don't understand it. You are the third richest team in the league. <laughs> Buy a toaster that works. That is that is the toaster rant. So I'm I don't get it. The photo it's like, is they, up, it's like they went in it with a blowtorch, like that they yes. used for like the equipment for like their for like their for like their stick blades. That's like essentially what I think happened. I want them to go into, into the equipment and be like, hey, we need to borrow the blowtorch for this piece of bread. And just <laughs> going, what are you doing? No, absolutely not. So I want the footage. I want that uh, footage. It exists somewhere. I want release the, the blowtorch cut. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough about toast. Um <laughs> Although I thought it was really funny because it's it's all a play on like the boring Matt Monahan Twitter mm-hmm. account, which is apparently by one of his former teammates. Yeah, um, and, and I I don't know. I found it really funny, and I think it, it's very sporadic nowadays. But I do think it's funny. Um, our friend Sebastian High, what are your top five non-first round pick Habs prospects? Lay I saw this question. It's a great Lay question. <laughs> I was say I will let you take the floor first on this because I need to compile my list right now. I mean, off the top of my head, um, Josh Watt, probably number one. Sean Farrell, Meshack, um, Lane Hudson. Lane Hudson's like really, you know, and definitely in that five. In that five, ooh, that fifth one's going to be tough because there are a lot of good ones. Maybe Primo. Yeah, Primo. I keep getting a seventh round pick. I mean. Do we count him as a prospect with how long he's been in the AHL? Or? Yeah, he's a prospect. He's not in the Habs. He's a prospect. RHP, like you know, like like those are like that's a you know. There's more than if there's argument over this. It's a good. It's a good list. It's um, not. It's good when you can argue which seventh rounder is the better prospect right, and right, not have right. it be tongue in cheek. Um, right. I have Owen Beck. I love Owen. Beck. Owen Beck. Yeah, look, um, they, they they've been drafting well. Look, you gotta you gotta get these players to the league, but can't can't say they haven't been drafting well. Uh, Lane Hudson's on mine. Joshua Waz on mine. Sean Farrell is on mine. Um, and then I have Frederick Deshaux, who is playing for Ferlunda now, uh, as a kind of an off the board thing here. I think his growth has been really exciting, and I am excited to see what he does in the SHL this season with a very good organization. 
because I know people talk about Caden Primo, but there's Dobish, there's D-Show, not that far behind him in terms of the pipeline here. They're playing in good spots, and the Canadians have a knack for finding late-round goaltending prospects at this point. Rivertich, Rivertich, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but he's he's also in the, in the pipeline pro, so like a pro in North America, so we'll see how he does too. And speaking of goalies, we will have, before the season starts, a goalie week on Locked On Canadians. We're bringing on lots of goalie guests and we're talking lots of goalie stuff. In the meantime, Zach Shabbat asks, what do you think a doc contract looks like? And this was before Eric Engels tweeted and reported, I want to say it was four years by three and a half million, if I'm not mistaken. That was what he was hearing. That's He said that he wouldn't be surprised if that happens. He's pretty plugged in. So I think that we can be confident about kind of the range that he's talking about. How do we feel about that? I love it. Um, it it's long-term enough that it gives them time to fully decide if this is the route they want to go. And if it doesn't work, it's the price is low enough that it isn't a major hampering on the team. Um, he's 21 years old. It's not like they're giving this to 30-year-old Paul Byron or, you know, 29-year-old Yol Armia or whatever. He's a young guy. Four years, I think, is right. And it coming in under $4 million, I think, is a huge – would be a huge bonus for Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon in this situation. I think it's, like, about risk versus reward here. Like, when I saw that, I was a little taken aback. I thought it was too much term. Um, just because you don't know if he's able to kind of get back to the level that you thought he was going to get to and never got to. Um, and I thought it was a risk in acquiring him in the first place for that reason. And then you're looking to commit to him before you even played a game. It's a, it's a, it's interesting, but after kind of thinking about it and speaking to a couple of people about it, really, um, you know, I think the risk, the, the reward is higher than the risk. So you're, you're getting a player who, if he does reach any semblance of that potential, is locked up for four years at 3.5. And that is a very reasonable contract for a top nine center, you know, um, if, if that's his floor. Right. And if you think about it, like if he's a third line center, that's a very reasonable number. If he becomes a second line center, that's a steal. Right. So I feel like it's, it's good. And it, it, at the same time. I, mine was kind of contextualized by by Scott's opinion on it because I'd already read his opinion before I formulated mine. So I do think that it's definitely, like you said, like the risk is high, the reward is higher than the risk, but this kind of gives him something to live up to because it's before his UFA year. It, it expires before his UFA year. Uh, we're almost done. We've got three more questions. JJ Bowerman, what wingers can you see playing on the PK? Everyone wants to get rid of Armia, but he might be the only winger capable of playing defense. I, I, I legitimately keep forgetting who is on this team. A lot of the time we were, we were having this discussion, the eyes on the prize chat and all of us forgot Evgeny Dodonov plays for the Canadians now. So um, I could see Monaghan as a center winger on the penalty kill. I imagine they will keep Armia for at least a little while. Uh, I see think Evans will play there as well. I don't think they're going to try Josh Anderson on the penalty kill again. I really hope they don't. Um, but I think we might see like Brendan Gallagher if he's actually healthy. I am now also realizing the Canadians don't really have a lot of penalty killing specialists. They have a lot of guys who can play in the bottom six, but none of whom can play defense very well. So uh, don't put Rem Pitlick there, please. We tried that. It it didn't work out very well. So like, like you have to really ask the question, like what is even – defense from a forward perspective on the penalty kill I think that's a very fair question to ask because you're really it's all about anticipation it's all about reflex it's all about you know reading the play you know two three steps ahead I think the Habs have players who can do that um 
you know, when Paul Byron gets healthy, obviously he's a staple on the penalty kill. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the names. It's just about finding, you know, the, the, the tandems Suzuki, like, you know, Suzuki is an elite, you know, or was an, was like a, a I wouldn't say elite. I, I couldn't say that without looking at the numbers, but you know, he was definitely a mainstay on the penalty kill. You know, he, it's just, you have to find those guys. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of new faces um, that can live up to that mold. I, I think that Pitlick could be good on the penalty kill. I mean, I don't really remember his body of work that well, but he kind of fits that mold to me in terms of, in terms of, you know, one speed, which is what, which is what you want aggressiveness and like, you know, not afraid to kind of make that read, which I think is what's with, which I think is what the coach is looking for. This is why I love having Mike on the podcast. Like he talks about hockey in a way that makes everybody understand. And we kind of get all on the same page. <laughs> um, uh, there's a question from Ryan S. What Habs moment has made you the most frustrated? So it doesn't specify if it's this season or ever. So I don't know. Uh, ever? I mean, uh, ever. What's the first like, one uh, that comes to mind? <laughs> uh, oh, God. I mean, I... <laughs> Like, Dominique Ducharme's blank stare when nothing worked for, like, the 10th game in a row. Just staring into space, offering nothing as the assistant coaches try to do something. Uh, I, man, frustrating. I, I, we would be here all night going over frustrating moments. Like, I've seen the team do dumb things before, like, take dumb penalties, but that happens. I think just Ducharme offering nothing... And then sending down Caulfield and recalling Pizzetto was just kind of like, you, you're throwing this entire season in the trash. And that was it. That was their big plan, and nothing really came of it anyways. So I, I think just Ducharme's entire last couple weeks at the helm here where clearly nothing's working, he has no ideas. Like, yeah, that that might be it for me. I'm really trying to dig deep on this one to find something that really frustrated me. Like something that really disappointed me, I guess it's not the question is like, just like Bergevin Timmons' response to the Mayu pick. Um, like that was incredibly frustrating and really rough. Um, you know, absolutely no accountability, you know, absolutely no, you know, nothing to offer in that, in that regard. Um, that's probably my answer. You know, I was definitely, that was like, that could be remember being the most frustrated by something that the Habs did done. Yeah, that that both of the press conferences were extremely like it's hard to say unsatisfying, right? Because we're not the victims in the situation, but I think like the the explanation that was requested by the media on the on the behalf of the fans in the audience were wasn't like they didn't get the answers, right? So I think that was really frustrating. Uh for me, I would say that after that you know, everything after that didn't compare. So it sort of precipitated, you know, the end of the Mark Bergevin era and all of that. And I think on the flip side, you know, the incoming management team really did things very differently right from the beginning. They have the illusion of transparency, even if it's not true transparency, like they really are good at pretending to be extremely transparent with us, which I really like. They seem to be, you know, they seem to be a lot more bold and more interesting. So I really do feel that, you know, we're going to have a lot less of those moments in this upcoming season. And our final question is from Emmanuel T. Assuming prices on LTIR all season, what are our options? Regardless of loyalty, is a buyout or a trade conceivable? And if so, how and to whom and when would you do it? There's no reason to buy him out. They don't save any money on that. Um, he, I think they were planning on him potentially being there at some point anyways, which is why they've done what they have with this. The LTIR space is probably more valuable to them than just getting, unless they can fully get it off the books, but I don't see 
any team without getting price saying I'm going to get this surgery so I can play again, accepting that deal. Even Vegas, as dumb as they are with how they handle LTIR and everything, I can't see any team in this league going, we will take that contract even with, you know, without a guarantee that price will be ready to play by next season. It's, it just isn't feasible to me. I, I still don't love without having heard from him, like speculating too much, but I, I don't, think the Canadians are going to trade that it's their LTIR space is going to be valuable as Kent Hughes tries to collect every draft pick known to man for the next seven years. Yeah. I think the value is the LTIR space being used to like launder money essentially. So like you're, ta- <laughs> you're like, you're looking at like the Habs being that third team that like retains 25% of the cap to get an extra pick or whatever it is. Um, like that's where the value is. Um, and, and also just, you know, taking on Monahans, you know, that, that teams like need to get rid of. I, I think that they're, you know, the longest shot of a trade could happen if it's like a team that is on the rise that just wants to give itself an extra $10 million of cap space. Uh, so like, a te- you, you know, you, you have to be able to take Price's full contract on right before you place them on injury reserve. So it's next to impossible. Um, no team is going to want to spend $40 million over four years. Um, but, you know, it's, it's the NHL and there are a lot of dumb executives out there and all it takes is one. So yes. unlikely, I think the likely scenario is, you know, okay, we got this cap space. You're going to fill it up. They're not, I don't think they're going to max it out internally. They're going to, they're going to want to get assets for that cap space, which is what they should be doing. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, price deserves to make his money. He's, you know, he deserves that contract. He deserves to play out to, to have a play out how he, how he wants it to play out. Uh, and Laura, that was our last of the mailbag questions, right? That was the last of our mailbag questions. As always, if you want to send them to us at LO underscore Canadians, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. In the YouTube comments, just don't be a jerk. Uh, Mike, thank you as always for joining us. If you want to follow Mike on Twitter, he's at HabsLaughs. Uh, we'll be obviously be having Mike on again. The season is right around the corner. So as always, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you are tuned in Friday night at 7.30 as I eat increasingly disgustingly hot chicken wings. And when you're done making us your first listener, first watch of the day, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. It's an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. Local team experts in the Lockdown Podcast Network, plus the betting angle of Lee Sterling of Lockdown Bets, all combining for one incredible Ultimate NFL Preview. Just search Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.